Hey, what's up, guys? You are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast, which you probably already know. Uh, I'm Lucas Burnley, and I'm here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz. Um, I'm doing like a like a real smooth jazz voice today. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. How's it going, TJ? I'm doing great. Been changing <laughs> way covers on one of the machines, and that's always fun. Covered in oil and chips and sharp little, you know, hardened, hard milling type chips. So yeah. it's, it's always a thing, but... Happy and run here. into the office. Yep, yep. I ran 20 minutes late and because I didn't put this on my schedule and falls right in line with what we were talking <laughs> about last, last time, which is multitasking and how many ports you have. Right, right. So I'm Putting, a, putting a, a power strip on one of your yeah, two plugs. I need a I And then putting another power strip on that one. No. Yep. Yeah, this is, this was today, man, we were talking about, it's like, I've just been running around putting out fires. It's been meetings and then jump from meetings into like lasering tags for ODCs and then dropping them off. And it just, I just got out of order and Mm -hmm. and here we are, but we have something pretty good to talk about. I mean, good for you and me. I don't know if anybody else will enjoy it, but production mindset versus custom mindset. No. Yeah, production mindset. Oh yeah. Okay. Production versus R and D mindset. Right. Um, and I, slipped into it already. Let's, let's think about this too. Like when we say production mindset, we're talking about you have, let's say for you, you have a Quiken. You're not, yep. you're not going to, most people wouldn't call that production when you go make right. a batch of Quikens. Like you're a custom right. maker. Right. So production can be custom knife making, but it's like, you can right. either make 10 Quikens tomorrow. Right. Or you can design a new knife tomorrow, build new fixtures, develop a new something. And that's a decision you have to make, whether you're a custom maker or if you're bench made. You know what I mean? Totally. Right. So it's a, it is a decision on your workflow for a given period of time. Am I in a production mindset? Meaning I'm doing production run of whatever that thing is, Mm -hmm. small scale to large scale. Right. Or am I in the process of researching and or developing a new product? Yeah. And being one man shows pretty much you and I, it's like we have to choose, you know, we don't have a team, you know, we don't have people that are developing new products while we have like a shop foreman who's doing that. So that's where real good though. Right. That's where (laughs) we get in that position of like choosing, you know? And right. so how, yeah, I gotta how do put you my, do that? Go from the shop, run upstairs, put my button up on and sit down at my computer. Right. That's the engineering it, department. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> then go back down, put your overalls on and get the broom out. And, yeah. Get yeah. the broom out. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yep. Bounce everything around. else in the shop. All the hats. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it's fun because you and I right now, we're, we're almost in just opposite camps, right? Out of necessity. Right. Like, right you are in kind of a production mode and I'm trying to figure out how to get back into R and D mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, like what do you yeah, think? So I made a decision. It's parallel to this conversation. It's not the whole, the whole of it, but I made a decision this week. I've been waffling on it back and forth. You've probably heard me talk about it on the podcast, but I'm a knife manufacturer. I'm calling myself that now. I know it's a one man shop, but it may not always be, but I, I now have two machines and the way I'm looking at things and the way I'm setting up my shop, I have to be honest with myself. Like I'm becoming a manufacturer, whether I like it or not. And when I really say it out loud, like I do like it when I just embrace it, you know what I mean? Cause it's almost like for a year 
I've been setting up this shop that way. And I've been like, well, I'm right. a custom maker, but I'm just doing it the manufacturing way. And then at a, at a point, right. I'm like, wait a minute, that is what it is. Like, well, when, like when somebody asks you what you do for a living, you probably say I'm a knife maker. Right. Custom right. Custom knife maker. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. But it, at some point, it's like, at some point, it's like saying I'm a custom knife maker or I own a knife company. And it kind of right. comes across differently. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I actually, I've always struggled with that. The ability to make that distinction, even if it's only for yourself, man, I think that is, that's actually huge. Yeah, yeah. So right? it's parallel to this because right now I'm hardcore in the output production. Maybe Ooh. production is the wrong word because we're we're putting two definitions on the same word. Just like uh, doing work versus doing R&D. It's like doing versus thinking in a doing, sense is what right, we're talking right, about right. today. Do, yeah. yeah. But I'm definitely in a hardcore like doing mode and I have been for the last year more so than R&D. Um, and so what it is, is like, how can I make more knives? How can I make them better? Um, right. And, tangible and, tangi- output is measured in tangible product. Yeah. As opposed to IP. IP. property. Yeah. 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 And so. Man, that's a, that's a big, it's a big step. And, and it's not, maybe somebody listening, like there's like a distinction where you're like, well, you make things like that's not, yeah. but as a maker, the ability to ha- like explain it to yourself in a way that gives you some guiding principles, um, how you frame your work, I think allows you to make decisions on how you proceed moving forward mm-hmm. goals. You know, I mean, there's a, there really is a lot tied into it. And it's also, I mean, there's like some emotions that come in there too, because you're mm-hmm. essentially like, putting your flag in the ground. Yeah. Well, and and I think what tipped the scale for me is I've been listening to the business and machining podcast a lot recently, which is Mm -hmm. John Saunders and John Grimsmo, the two Johns. And and they're Mm -hmm. like Grimsmo knives. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't say like, I I don't think he calls himself a custom knife maker. Right. He calls him. It's a knife company. It's a knife manufacturer. Like that's him. Even though you can look it back when he was in a garage with a Tormach, and right. you can say, and I can't say that what he's doing is what I want to do necessarily. Sure, like I don't, sure. I don't, I don't, I don't idolize that exact set of goals, but right. the mindset of like, when I listen to those two talk and it, that is how my brain is working a lot more so than like when I picture planning on being a one man shop for like, let's say the next 30 years, like that mm-hmm. isn't what fires my cylinders. It's more right. like the idea of running a shop. You know what I mean? Like that right. is what's activating. My well, it's, interest. it's in a way it's, hmm, yeah, it's manufacturing versus making. And that's like a very makery thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because you, you have to understand like the difference, like we're talking scale process and essentially how your day is spent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like what tasks is, is your day occupied with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I guess the way I would say it is right now, you could say I'm a custom knife maker because I am a one man shop. And so any one man shop, I would say automatically classifies as like a custom knife maker in a sense. Right. But what I'm building is a prototype of a expandable process. You are you know building, I mean? you're, you're building a business to scale, right? It's, it's, you're building it's processes that yeah. are able to scale. Whereas a lot of my processes are fully like sole skill based technique. Yeah not scalable. 
and if i was if i was to call myself a custom knife maker as like an overarching term i would be more focused on things like perfecting hand grinding and such things as that whereas like with what i'm doing is like well because that doesn't fit the model that i'm interested in it's not where i'm focused and so i'm more focused on execution from a automation level which is like that's where i depart like that's just where my brain seems to be going a different direction right it's interesting yeah i mean i i really do think a lot of this comes down to semantics but as an organizing method for ourselves i think there's a huge amount of value in it mm-hmm. it was when when cnc first started to come around kind of on the scene of makers and people, there was this thought process that like, if you use a CNC, you're not a custom knife maker, your production. That's mm-hmm. like a great example of like not understanding that the process, even for a given tool can, can be completely different. So you take someone like, uh, Dmitry Sinkovich, mm-hmm. that is as custom as custom comes mm-hmm. because of his working method. Right. The way that he is producing, even though there's CNC involved, it is a very like, I don't know, just every design. I think he makes three of a piece before moving on to the next design. So that's Mm -hmm. that's prime in like R&D. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, the way that he works, the processes, the the finishes and the techniques like all play into like a custom Mm -hmm. kind of mentality. Right. And so I. I want to reframe it a little bit because now I want to circle back to the fact that like, just because I'm describing myself as a manufacturer almost is beside the point because as a manufacturer, I also have to be thinking about, am I in a production versus R and D mindset? Right. And so I'm in a production mindset right now, but the R and D mindset would be if I'm contemplating the idea of the next knife, I make the fixed blade overland, I make the scalpel plus, and I have another few ideas in the wings that are not developed. Yeah. And so for, for me, switching over would be like, all right, slow down production on these knives that I'm currently making. I have to make new fixtures, finish CAD files, get things going on the next generation on whatever that is. Yeah. And when do I make that switch? Where do I allocate that time? I think that's what this conversation is really about, you know? Right. Which ties into a lot of kind of where I'm at, which is essentially I run, I run three businesses, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Each one of the elements of the business is valuable. Mm -hmm. They don't all work in concert smoothly. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious to see how you prioritize R and D moving forward. Like if you are doing it on a monthly basis or quarterly, Mm -hmm. um, kind of the way that I like to think about it a little bit is like, it's not a, it's not a perfect metaphor, but like production puts food on your table. Like R and D pays your mortgage. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's there. It's just a slightly longer term, you know, a longer term thought process where you, you Mm -hmm. might not get, you might not get that return right away, but overall it's a very important return or maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, R and D lets you retire. I don't know. Yeah. Cause it's definitely a long game if you order half a beef and have it processed and put in the, in the chest freezer, (laughs) it's like, that's, that's the R and D is like you're stacking cordwood, you know, for the winter. Right. Well, it's like the, in it, I guess, I guess the part of the thought process is you can get into a production mindset and stay in a production mindset 
and you will, if you completely ignore R and D, you, you start to, if not stand still, like you start to backslide at a point. Yeah. You've come and it's hard to catch up. Right. So yeah. it's really important to figure out a method of kind of maintaining forward momentum. Yeah. Even though from a purely financial standpoint, you're like production is really good. I'm going to dig in. But this is that idea of like time management and like looking at your time, like where does value exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any idea of what your initial, like right now you're in production. Do you have an idea of when you're going to switch or how you're going to switch to R and D? So here's the the concept of what I'm doing. I describe my shop as the shop itself being a prototype. So the idea is okay. I'm developing processes for the Overland specifically that I want to be replicable, like that I can use again. Yep. And so the idea is once the Overland is established to where I'm not solving like large problems repeatedly where it's like I'm, I'm getting to where I'm in the like the fine minutia of like small improvements. Mm-hmm. Once I have that like robust system top to bottom for that knife, then I move on and develop another knife that adopts as much, if not all of that process as possible. And then that knife, the R&D process will be much shorter because it's pre- predominantly design, right? Right. Process. Re- the process is existing. Yeah. All you're doing is plugging in new geometries. Yeah. New new shapes essentially. And Mm -hmm. if you're building something, so if you're building something inside of a family where your construction method is similar to the overland, yeah, you're basically, you're changing the shape, but your process is dialed, your finishes, material handling, all of that. Yeah. Yeah workflow. So yeah, that's where I'm at. And I'm close on the overland because it all came down to having another machine. Like I knew that was going to be an imperative. And so right. that's new. That's the, over, the overlands are going to start running on that new machine within the next couple of weeks. And I'll have like right. a new pallet system. And once that, once I feel like I have that like comb through, it's time, it's time for me to, to, I've got the design actually like 75% done for the next, next knife. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't like R and D it. I've printed like one you know what I mean? So it's like, it, I need the, to put the attention on it for a few weeks, like in the near future. Right. And that is, that's deep work, a few weeks of focusing on that. Yeah. Even though you could be kind of multitasking and running some parts, yeah. that's a bad use of your multitasking ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah, are there all hands be, on deck essentially for yeah, a new design. Stretch, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what I have in mind. So setting the business up to be ready for that pivot is, is where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I don't want to become a one dimensional type. I don't want to become right. the one knife wonder. You know what right. I mean? Like that's, that's not me because I'm a designer first. Right. Um, and so that's, that's what I want to do, but it's the pendulum knowing when to make the leap from one to the other. That's, that's, that's hard. It's a, it's a tough one. I I almost think that like, for me, I try to do these automated like steps. So it's like, you just put it on the calendar and, or the idea of enough, right? Because more is addictive in a way and it's subversive. Like it can, it can hurt you in the long run because you're like, Mm -hmm. okay. So at a point it's like, how many overlands do you want to make a month? Because you're going to bring out a new product. And then Mm -hmm. that now you just divided your production time in half. Yeah. 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 Okay. You do that again. You do that again. And it's like, it starts to get to the point where how many products as a manufacturer can you feasibly manage? Yeah. 
which is part of the, like where we're at is we've got my, you know, the stuff that I make in the shop, the projects that I'm managing that are, that are production. And to go back to like mindset thought process for a minute, um, when we started doing Burnley brand, the term mid tech was really common. Mm-hmm. I did something similar to you, which was I moved away from the term mid tech and any knife that I do under Burnley brand, I consider production. Yeah. At that point, I feel like it was almost the same kind of level of decision as calling yourself a manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. Because production as a custom knife maker, if you say like, this is a production knife Mm -hmm. at that point, the idea was that it like devalued it somehow. Yeah. Well, and I think, in in a sense, you're being honest because the this is a side point, but like the word mid tech got really muddied. But totally to muddied. me, to me, the definition was like really crystal clear that it's like Same. if you have the parts machined and then you do the assembly as a custom maker, that's a mid tech, right. and that's that's, the, a, that's the, the way that Ken coined the term. Yeah, and that that's was the, the way it was used. The reason the mid is there because it's right. halfway yeah. manufactured mid, and middle halfway technology. Custom. Yeah. yeah, and then. And then it became a descriptive word for a price point right. very quickly where right. it was or like, a if number. It's, a, it's like, if you're doing 300 knives, that's mid tech. Yeah. It became like a size, a price where yeah. it's like you could have, you know, we or Riot make a knife for, th- and yeah. you're selling it for 375 and yeah. it be, people were calling them mid techs, even though they were finished knives coming in boxes. Right. Well, and that, and that terminology changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. At a point. Mm-hmm. For us, it was that decision though of like guiding principle. If mm-hmm. I was going to say that Burnley brand was my production company, I had to be okay with like making that jump. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's over time, there's things that we fully make in, in house or, or modify in house. And it was, it was just this easy thing where I was like, I just want to be able to call it production and I don't want to have mm-hmm. to break it down by piece, piece by piece, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Similar thing. Does it matter? Probably not. Did it help me figure out a way to move forward? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's a putting definitions on things is tricky business, but there is some, some value in that in like I actually think establishing like, this is what I am. Like it really is what I'm doing. Even if it's you know? only for a time period. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Or, or a, being able to shift your mindset from I'm working in the shop, I'm making knives, this is work to being able to sit in front of your computer and say, I'm designing a knife. This is work. You and I have talked about that. I've always struggled with anything that is not me physically working with my hands Mm -hmm. as work. Right. And it's so backwards. Well, tell me this, like you're trying to get back into the R and D mindset. That's right. like, that's your goal. Um, what does that mean for you exactly with R and D? Are you talking new shop designs, like designs that you're going to custom make or more, uh, I think there's production a production stuff, right? Because our ecosystem is like, it's, there's a lot going on in it. So for a few years, we were focused on kind of, kind of where you're at now in a different way. We were doing more numbers. We were doing, you know, production runs of fixed blades in house, but we would be doing like 30 or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when we had employees and th- what I found was that I wasn't enjoying the workflow. So mm-hmm. 
realizing that my time is finite and I'm looking for a place like how do, where do I value my time the most and where do I enjoy work the most is essentially in the kind of creation of a new design and making a few of them because Mm -hmm. I still really enjoy making, but I spent years like even when I was working by myself, like there were years where all I was making was quike and flippers. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that like, I'm not actually at this point production minded Mm -hmm. or manufacturing minded. Right. 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 It's, it's a more like free flowing creative. I want to be able to jump around. I want to be able to modify. So ideal scenario for me right now is essentially I'm able to shift my focus enough to where I'm spending the time to develop new products. Of those products, maybe a third of them or half of them are things that I'm going to physically produce myself for a Mm -hmm. prototype or for a run or for like a small batch for a show. Um, but even that I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out. Right. Same, same thought process of being tied into the Quiken. There were years where a lot of the work I was doing was like essentially CAD and submitting designs of things that I wasn't physically making. Right. Right. That doesn't work for me either. So tell me about your process when you develop a knife, like let's say a folding knife, maybe it's a frame lock, maybe it's not whatever. What's, what's step one? Sure. Step one, I still like paper and pencil. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a pretty extensive backlog of sketches. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll kind of go through there um, and either pick one or use one as kind of inspiration just from a lot. Like I see some lines that I like and Mm -hmm. I'll use it as a starting point. So I generally um, I'll sketch once I get the sketch to somewhere that I like visuals, I actually go to a light table. So by the time I go into CAD, like I've just worked with my hands for so long. Like I could make the knife based off my initial sketches Mm -hmm. pretty close to it. All Mm -hmm. everything is almost in there. And then I start converting it to CAD where my real kind of stumbling block is at this point is around the CNC and fixturing Mm -hmm. because I haven't devoted enough time to becoming like a good machinist, which as important as it is for production, I would almost argue that it's like more important if you're an R and D maker. Right. Yeah. Because you're developing kind of new fixturing each time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and fixturing is relative to like the beauty of R and D. Like, I guess if you're only making three of something is you actually don't have to worry about making like very efficient fixturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's, I'm trying to organize my thoughts because some of it's muddy at this point. I would like to be a better machinist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm not wanting to make huge numbers of any one thing. So my process is almost like one of learning and production where I just stumbled over that, like where I'm going to make five of a knife but I'm, I would like to design fixtures. Like I'm going to make 50 of a knife. Mm, yeah. Like purely the, so that I can learn. Yeah. Have the fixtures be robust, like beyond the needs that you have. Exactly. And yeah. it, and really it's the same thought that 
you kind of explained to me about setting up CAD files, which is like you want a robust drawing. You want a robust Mm -hmm. file, something that you're able to modify that Mm -hmm. if you change one thing, the drawing doesn't break. Right. From a modeling standpoint, from for a design being sent to like a, you know, CRKT or Boker or something like that, I think that's super, super important. In my shop, I'm like, oh, I can do a 2D design and then figure out how to machine it still. Yeah, extrapolate so that from there. It's like extrapolate, but it's not, that's not like best practice as far as working. So I'm trying to look at like, okay, if I'm making, if I'm, my output is slightly less, but I'm increasing my ability and my knowledge, future potential for output goes up. Yeah, for sure. So it's like R&Ding a process for manufacturing as well as the individual models. Yeah. No, agreed. That's, I, that's I, like I can one see, component. <laughs> no, no, I can see I can see where you're going with that. I think that I had a similar mindset when I went into making the Overland is like I wanted to bring I think I mentioned it possibly on the podcast of like I want to bring manufacturing mentality to building this custom knife. Mm-hmm. And it became a slippery slope and here I am, you know. And uh but in the beginning I was trying to think about it that way of like just because I only have, cause I had like one sheet water jet that was only like 14 blanks. And I was like, I want to think of how to make these 14 as efficient as possible. Because I mean, in theory, I could have just had them water jet and ground the whole perimeter. You know what I mean? Contoured right. handles on a belt. Like right. I think I could build, I could have built that knife faster. Like that first 14, I could right. have built them and finished them faster without going and focusing on like efficiency in the beginning, if that makes right. sense. You can build one faster. You can't build a hundred faster. Exactly. You, you start to lose time on each consecutive piece. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky game to play. Cause you can, you don't want to build like, Oh, I'm going to put a pallet that has all 14 blades on there, you know, right out right. the gate or something. But it's like, uh, I can see where you're, where you're headed though. It's like you, you want to have the knowledge of the manufacturing side to help right. with what you're trying to do, but it's right. not and so you can wring every last drop out. Right. Of it. It's not so I can wring the efficiency out of it, but it is, I do think it's really important at this stage. Man, it's, it really is. It's like a loaded thing because part of me like ties what I think of as production to my hand labor mm-hmm. and years and years of hand grinding blades and like that being production mm-hmm. with the realization that if I develop more robust systems and efficiencies, I might not mind more production. And as a maker, like I think, I think a lot of us want to satisfy demand, which is great. Our brand at this point, like nothing I ever make in my shop can like come close to satisfying like anything. It doesn't like mm-hmm. we'll drop a run of 200 Cypops on the website and it's 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a 10 year old product. Right. I mean, yeah. it just, it's, it doesn't work. Right. So production design satisfies, like when I say production, I mean like, you know, um, collaborative design mm-hmm. is able to satisfy part of that for me, which is like to get my knives into people's hands. Yeah. And everybody um, that wants ones into everybody yeah. that wants them. And Burnley brand is actually like my, a really good outlet for that because you know, the SQD two or something like I'm essentially building a custom, but we're able to hit a lower price point 
but still hit the quality and build 500 pieces. And it's like, it's cool to put 500 pieces out on the market, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? Um, so I'm struggling, I'm kind of struggling with some of the, like the thought processes around like where my time is best spent now. So I think like if I really had to cut, like make it like a simple version, it would be I'm designing and making knives, submitting the like small batch, submitting those designs for production for larger numbers Mm -hmm. while doing that, increasing my personal efficiency out of the shop. Yeah. No, that's awesome. We'll see. Yeah. No, I mean, dream big. I like it. (laughs) Well, and, and where also does R and D is it only knives and And that's a hard goods. That's a good question. Right. NFTs. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, <There's, laughs> dropping soon. Yeah, uh, but but uh, really, like in our brand, there's, I mean, there's so many products mm-hmm. that is not a knife and is not a hard good that those all require development and, you know, imagery, logos, branding, like whatever it is, like the ODC, like the little pouch we just did. That's a, that was a fully R and we just did the first R and D drop of that product. Right. first production run. Yeah. No, that's, and that was really cool. I, I want to have one of those. Took time. I need to just send, I'll just send you one. Um, oh, those are awesome. Um, so yeah, but, like I guess one of the questions that I've been having or fielding for myself is like hours in a day, days in a week or month, how much time is devoted to production or development? Right. How do you categorize it? How do you place a value on it? So I, I've, I've been witness to times where other businesses or things that I've seen in other businesses where people, the hot, the, the common tendency I see is actually to over develop new products. And that is, a, is probably the bigger killer as opposed to on as to underdeveloping products, I guess, if that makes sense, like fully fleshing out a product and fully getting it to market with full efficiency and full marketing force and full attention to detail is a lot of work. And I think it's common to like overextend with too many ideas, too many products, too many, too wide, too big of a cut. And I'm focusing, I'm actually resisting the urge to overdevelop. So like, I feel like I'm preparing for that next round of R and D but mm-hmm. it's the approach I have to it is not pushing myself towards it. It's actually holding myself back. Interesting. Because I'm, I'm, I've seen it go wrong where it's like a product is finally finished and it's like, it never got a chance to be what it could have been because the next product came and replaced it or whatever. I, you know what I've I mean? said like for years, I'm like, I don't want to be necessarily prolific. I want to be iconic. Like I want my designs to stand on their own. Yeah. When you think about custom knives, and it's really interesting because I'm going to throw a production knife out as my first custom, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the Sabenza. Yeah. When you think about products like that, that is a prime example of something that is like, it was designed, it was good. And then it was, there's iterations of it. It was given time to grow and build a following, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, like a custom analogy kind of would be like, you do a knife show and you put 50 knives on your table. People don't see your knives. Mm-hmm. Like they don't see any given knife. They just yeah. see a C. mass. Yeah. yeah, it's a C. Yeah. They can't focus. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
So too many. It's a similar. Things. I can. I think it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would say that at small scale, it's harder to do that just because of the the necessary timeline of you like making a new model. The, yeah, sure. The risk for you would almost be making a new model and never coming back to the overland. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hard part. And the hard part is like, what if I never got the Overland to its fullest efficiency level, if that makes sense. So if I start a new with like a new set of processes and they're not all, not all the processes will be new, but it's like, I've built a lot of fixtures for the Overland and I've yet more to build. And it's like, right when I finish that, do I do a hard 90 and then put them all on the shelf and let them collect dust? You know what I mean? Really? You're making the prime argument for, manufacturing right which is Mm -hmm. i don't have time to make overlands right now i need one more machine and i need an operator Mm -hmm. yeah the techniques used to build that knife are teachable Mm -hmm. the demand is there for the the you know output and that's the way that you ensure that it's not a year and a half before you come back to the overland yeah. And what I've found is here's, here's what makes me happy. Here's what I enjoy. And what it, that thing is, is solving problems. Like that's what I, when I wake up and I know there's a problem I have to solve mm-hmm. and it's like conceivable that I could solve it. Like I have ideas of how it could be solved. And then when I execute and it's solved, mm-hmm. that is like the best feeling for me, even more, uh, I guess, uh, euphoric than even like designing. So that's right. where if I, if I go and I'm sitting in front of a machine or if I'm in the shop and there's a process that's like a bottleneck, it's an issue, this issue keeps coming up and I start putting you know my nose to the grindstone on a fixture, on a, a concept, on a new type of media and I finally find the formula that works mm-hmm. and then I move on to the next problem and I solve that problem. And so where I'm, where I'm going to get to is where the overland, like once I've solved enough problems where there aren't the big fun problems to solve anymore on it. That's when I'm want to going to want to feed myself a new set of problems. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's like, it's interesting. There's enough so problems you, with the overland right. for me to still feast. You know, that's what I mean? a really interesting way of looking at it. It's that's like almost like, like, like Toyota kind of mindset, right? Yeah. Which is design yeah. the thing, make continual improvements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So at the point where you run out of things to solve, that project can stand on its own. You feel mm-hmm. you have the space to maybe move on to the next project. Yep, exactly. That's actually, it's nice because it's actually very trackable. Um, that's something I've been working on for myself is like, is it an emotional decision or is it like a decision based in kind of data? Mm-hmm. Right. Is there yeah. a reason for it? Like, do you have a reason right. for your argument? Is mm-hmm. it backed up? So, yeah. and, huh. And I okay. think, I think the plan though on, on the next knife is like 90 to 95% of the problems I'm solving right now will be the same solves for the next right. knife, but I want to have another five to 10% of new problems. And you know what I mean? On that next one, like right. I, I want it to be that way. Cause I don't want it to be cookie cutter. You know what I mean? Right. I want to, I want to have that new vein of, of like things that I have to push for. Um, and so it's like, but if you, my, my only problem with doing that too soon, like I said, is like, if you have too many problems to solve too much and you've, you know, are behind on all these problems, then like 
businesses struggle. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just too many problems and too much, right. too many diversions. Or you, or you, you struggle. I mean? That's like, I would say yeah. that's probably where I fall into more often than not is kind of too many irons in the fire because I get super excited about projects or learning something new. Um, but I have a hard time sometimes following a, a line of thought all the way to completion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's um, the, or that's what project. I've tried to be in particularly disciplined in doing that because I'm, I'm in the same way. Like I like to diversify with mm-hmm. all my thoughts and dreams and goals and ideas. And this last couple of years has been like a, I want to distill it down. Like this is the goal. You know what I mean? Let me ask you something about problem solving. Do you, do you have a sense of how far out you solve problems? In the, is in the it, future? If, yeah. Does that make sense? So like, the, here's the thought process, right? Uh, you are band sawing a knife, your hand, you're hand cutting a knife out of bar stock with a hacksaw. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, this would be way faster. If I got a bandsaw, you could go to and get a bandsaw and you're absolutely right. Or you could look at the bandsaw and say, well, actually going to water jet would be much faster than going to a bandsaw. Right. Right. Where in the process you're, I think your process is like in your own capabilities, like your, your problem solving. This is that idea of like almost creating too much efficiency, which is like, if you create too much efficiency, you ultimately don't do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like you'd say, well, instead of doing the bevels in house, I'm going to send them to Larkin. Mm-hmm. Well, well, since I'm sending the, why am I going to machine my scales? I'm going to, mach- I'm going to, I'll send those out. That's like mm-hmm. you over efficiency to the point where you actually don't get to solve the problems or make the parts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So and that's not your goal. So you do no. have a stopping point for your problem solving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, so you're talking about like, how many problems am I thinking about in the future that are not yet on my plate? Is that, is that the question? Yeah, maybe like, Uh, yeah. How far are you projecting? Well, generally a lot of problems that I have involve the difference between the way I'm doing it now and the difference and the, and how I could be doing it that I believe is the solution is often money, you know? So it's like a big part of it is like, what can I have? What improvement can I afford to make right now? And it's like, I'm going to make as many as I can afford to make. And like that one large part of that comes down to like my square footage. It's like, I have to do what's possible in my square footage because that's what I have right now. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things I have solutions like in mind for different things that are going to be when I have more square footage that are going to be like automatic, like buy that thing as soon as I have the square footage. But I'm solving problems in a bubble right now of that size of shop. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, I have like ideas in the future of solves, but this solve is the one for now. For now. Um, And so like you've said before, yes, but later kind of focus. Um, But my brain solves problems. Like it's to the point of almost being like toxic. Like I find problems when there's not problems. I, I just like, if my, I like to chew on problems all the time. And that's just what makes me happy. It's because you're a robot. I think so. I don't know. Or Elon Musk. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reptilian. <laughs> he might be a, he might be a reptilian. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It, this is, this is one of the strangest times in my career just because I, I actually have options. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and so trying to kind of figure out, like asking myself, like, what, what do I want my days to look like? 
Um, you Do know, you like solving problems. I don't, I think there's some level that like I must like solving problems, but I, I wouldn't, I, I obviously don't feel as strongly about it as you do. Like, I don't know if that's like my driving force. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes though too. Right. Um, yeah. I think for me, we've talked about the game of knife before making knives was my introduction into this industry. At this point in the industry, there are so many things that are interesting to me that I almost don't differentiate between like, making a knife versus like coming up with a t-shirt design or like mm-hmm. figuring mm-hmm. out uh like the ODC or something, right? Like a project yeah. or and general brand development and stuff. In like brand development. Right. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I realize that doesn't probably make a ton of sense. Like there's obviously a difference, but I think I get at this point I get this almost the same satisfaction. The caveat to that is there is a point where I stop, if I do one thing for too long, I stop getting satisfaction from it. Mm-hmm. And at different points in my career, like talking about the Quiken, there were times where, man, I was just buried in those, mm-hmm. you know, when I still took orders, when I was doing a lot of shows and realizing like, man, I am feeling super drained and not creatively satisfied. Mm-hmm. It's almost like taking breaks throughout the day, I think that shifting your focus of work makes your overall work better. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, at this point with kids and kind of other obligations, I'm trying to figure out the method of, of how to arrange the time. So for me, I'm like, how often should I be doing R and D? You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a two week block. Like, I feel like I could develop a knife in two weeks. I feel like if I was to develop a knife and have it ready to machine, I'm probably looking at a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feels right for me. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere yeah. in there. That's reasonable. Yeah. So where do you pull that month? Do you, do you space it out over the course of six months, a week at a time? That's tough, man. That's, that's. Like I said, I have the horizon coming of this taking on this next R and D project. Um, right. For me, because of the route that I'm going, I'm putting my finger on the pulse of the business. Of like, right. when am I not behind on orders? When am I? When do I have a little bit of breathing room to do it? And the more efficient I'm getting, the more I can see that coming. Of like, like I said, once the efficiency's there, where the overlands, I still can, I can still maintain a level of production, at least to some degree maybe not like on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, but at least like there's enough throughput that I can take a couple weeks off from it and not like go massively behind. Well, and that, Um, that can be scheduled, right? That's the idea of enough. So if the first week of the month you made the amount of overlands, which is impossible that you need to make that month, Mm -hmm. you would have three weeks to delegate for yourself in different ways. So so let me ask you this in your mind, when you think of R and D, how what's all what all's bundled into that because like for me when i think r&d like designing the fixed blade if it's a fixed blade that i do next isn't very much work like i'm efficient in cad to where i can develop a fixed blade like really fast you know 
Um, it doesn't really, it's not taxing for me to like squeeze developing a fixed blade in during a production schedule. But for me, right. I wrap also like designing the sheath and actually being able to make it with the fixturing for that, designing right. the fixture to make the blades, you know, setting up uh, bevels, setting up cam, right. getting tooling figured out. You're like actually, that. you're taking it so much further inefficiency than I am. And right. you're also probably doing well, that faster. And for me, the R and D, the big gulp to take is that part of it is these tooling up is the building right. the fixtures is the getting it produced is the getting the website to, to hold that knife with the right photos, with the right descriptions. You know what I mean? It's like getting a product ready for market. It's not really like designing it for me, you know? Right. Yeah, I guess I I guess I feel like I could do design anytime. Mm-hmm. Like hour in the evening, I can do that. Like I could be mm-hmm. designing a new model. Um Yeah, I don't I guess I don't really know where I get stuck on it. I think it's it's like the cumulative task of producing something new at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um from drawing to first pieces. Yeah. Uh, and really, I think it's just in my case, I think it's a, an issue of like over leveraging my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the same for you, though, al- almost where it's like I need to there's a point where I need to say like enough is enough, like of this type of work. Mm-hmm. Now this becomes a priority. Yeah. Um, or having like like a design output goal, like, all right. I would like to be able to submit one to two new models to each company that I design for annually. Mm-hmm. So you have four knives, yeah. you know? And so you, you prefer a schedule of some description over a gut feeling type thing. No, I would, I would say that I work towards scheduling because it's not my natural state. And really mm-hmm. a lot of times there's years where it's like, mid year, I come up with some concept and like play with it and get really excited. And and that's a submission. It's like a, you know, so there's, it's not like as cut and dried as like, Oh, mm-hmm. four designs a year. And this is the way yeah. it works. You yeah. never know when that like spark is going to hit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like the na- name, any art form. And there's the writer's block, the muse, the right. Everybody, every industry has its own description for like that captivating moment where you create a creative flow and whatnot and how to do it. Right. Um, Cause R and D, like when I think about the R and D side that I'm describing where it's like getting it ready for the mill, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm actually making it that I don't have to wait or like try to develop an environment where I can do that. It's like, I can just do it. No, that's I technical. Know, that's yeah. a, that's technical. And, and again, your proficiency is greater than mine. So I think that in a lot of ways, that is a more daunting task to me because it, it's not efficient. Right. Right. So hence back to the original conversation, which is like, what is it that I'm actually trying to do R and D on? Yeah. Is it even a product? Yeah. Or, or is, is it, it a process? process? Yeah. And these are the shades of like gray that I think it can be really cut and dry to be like, Oh, like I make knife, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I make another knife. Yeah. Right. I there's a quote I heard that I really like. It's uh, at least part of the quote is you always fall to the level of your processes. 
Right. Or your training. You don't rise to yeah. the occasion. You fall to your training. Exactly. Right. And, and, and in manufacturing, no matter what the dream, the goal, the sales, the marketing, the everything, you right. will always fall to what are your processes. Right. Um, and so for me, it's like, that's why I'm, I'm delegate or spending so much time on the processes with the Overland yeah. is like, it's gotta be bulletproof. Like it's gotta right. be dialed. You know what I mean? Well, and and so, your, your method at this point actually has another big benefit, which is a long time ago, a, um, a good friend of mine, Derek Obatake um, from Steel Flame had told me like, if you build a business, build it to sell. Hmm. It doesn't matter if you ever plan on selling your business, like you leave it to your kids or close it when you retire. Well, we both but named the, our brands after our last name. So I know that was, a, that was a bad start. <laughs> kind of tied yeah. in. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what though? Not, not a deal breaker in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the concept behind that, I think is really that if your business is, a, it has the ability to be sold. It has to be f- running functionally and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're like, going to sell it. If, if you personally are this keystone that when yeah. removed, it all collapses. Right. It's well, not saleable. That's the argument that yeah. you're like, you're not a business. You're yeah. self-employed. Right. So I am self-employed with like these weird like toeholds in other areas mm-hmm. with passive income and stuff. Right. But you are actually developing a process that you could exist as a company without you. Exactly. That's the goal. And the reason for that goal, again, is if I solve a bunch of problems on a, on a product like the Overland. Right. And it, I'm done solving. You're never done. But like right, when I done. get to the, the point of diminishing returns where there's not huge, like it's just running, it's smooth. Then I would like to train someone to be able to help me with that and find a new set of problems. And like, that is the endeavor. And so it's like, just what you're describing is like, I'm handing things off in theory in the future. Like that's kind of the vision going Mm -hmm. on, but it's, it all revolves around me solving new problems. So it's like, that's, that's the foundation. It's not that I necessarily want. I like, I don't look at manufacturing and say, that's what I want because it's like glorious and it'd be cool to have. Sure. It's because it's the, it's the environment that allows me to solve problems every day and, mm-hmm. and then take those solutions and hand them to my right hand man for right. the continuation of those, you know, for the, the execution of that. Absolutely. Well, and, and in reality, I think we are constantly looking at our time and, at least I do, I would assume you do, and most of us probably do, right? Of where is my time best spent? Mm-hmm. That is a sh- That shifts, right? Mm-hmm. In my 20s, my time was best spent trying to make as many knives as I could and get my name out and make as much money as I could to move forward into like the next stage of my life. Mm-hmm. At this stage, I don't want to work and I don't need to work like I did when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And I have different criteria of for myself of like, what is success and like, what is important? Mm-hmm. Like we always come back to the kid thing, man. It's like, there's a point where I'm like, it doesn't like a little more money. doesn't matter if it's like taking more time from my family. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's these, like, there's these balance points. Um, and I think that like the method that you're doing, what's cool about it with the idea of scaling, which 
again, we tried to do where we ran into the problem was I lacked management. We got to a point where there was an efficiency of output. The problem was my time was eaten up managing and kind of providing almost backup support and providing like, a, like, yeah, like support planning for the employees. Yeah. Whereas if there was some type of intermediate management, right, that's where mm-hmm. I would have actually been able to scale. Mm-hmm. So uh, product management and like, like a, I mean, in certain ways, a foreman does that, right, for the shop mm-hmm. floor, mm-hmm. project manager for the production side of the business, mm-hmm. yeah. right? But your method at some point allows you to look and say, hey, my time is not best spent on the shop floor. I can shift fully into research and design, business development, relationship building, mm-hmm. like because you are the face of the brand. These are the things that scale with a business that take time that we don't necessarily account for. Right. Right. right? And I, I will say, though, the idea of me not being on the shop floor is something I hope never happens because right. I think the solving the problems on the shop floor is me. So it's almost like if I was going to get more help in a broad scale, I would want more help on the business development side as opposed to, as as opposed to me getting out of the shop and doing that, it would be the other way around. Yeah. And I would, I agree with you a hundred percent. Maybe I just have a hard time letting go of things. I like to make things. Mm -hmm. However, I would have a harder time letting go of, strategic planning mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in a oh, way. Yeah. But yeah, at yeah. the same time, if all I was doing was that like strategic planning, I would lose my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to. So yeah, maybe there is, maybe there's, maybe, maybe I'm trying to like in my brain, it's almost like all or nothing mm-hmm. where there's a more kind of uh homogenous approach that is, it's what you do now scaled with support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but it doesn't fully remove you from any one area of the business. That would be like, that would almost be the ideal, right? If, if I was, if I was setting up machines and building fixtures and yeah. running like the first 10 of everything. Yeah. And then someone else was operating the machine. Yes. That, that would be it for me. So you know what I mean? in our tiny, tiny business of me and my wife, right? We, I still think about like job titles in a way. Mm-hmm. And like, in, if I was to scale a business, I guess really where I would want to be is like, I would want to be a creative director mm-hmm. almost, right? So the way that I would see it is like, okay, so there's some huge company and I'm in like a cell mm-hmm. <laughs> that has some machines and a computer. I'm basically mm-hmm. in my own shop yeah. with the support of manufacturing. Yeah. And I'm able to say, hey, I want to do this like winter collection of clothing. Here's my initial sketches and like hand it off to someone who is able to actually, you know, proceed on that. Yeah. And, like, execute. Yeah. Execute. Like yeah. here it is. Here's the, the idea. Management. Yeah. Right. So I guess ultimately, like you had asked, like, do I like problem solving? I'm like, ultimately, I like coming up with ideas. Yeah. Right. I think that's the, for me, that's the, like where I really feel the spark is when I come up with something and I'm like, Oh, I'm super excited to make that. And people are really going to enjoy it. I think 
that's where we differ because I, I, I think that's, too. I think it's cool for me. Like I like coming up with new ideas, mm-hmm. but it's not, it doesn't hit me nearly as hard as solving problems is like, especially when it comes to making things like fixing issues in the shop right. that are problematic are just right. addicting to me. Like it's just, if, if, if a machinist that I was paying to work for me had an issue with a fixture and he's like, Hey man, this fixture is just not working out that it doesn't make me mad. Like, Shh, I got more work to do. I got to do this for me. It's like immediately gears turning like, Oh, this pin it's undersized. It's a problem. Okay. Solve the problem. Like that's how I just want to live. You know what I mean? Like that's, this is super bring, interesting. So <laughs> bring all your problems to me and I'll solve them. Like that's how I want to be in the shop. Oh yeah. I think we just figured, I think we figured out like a big, there's yeah. like a big shift. Right. So, um, my good friend, Joe Mangifico, who worked mm-hmm. for us for a couple of years. Um, I know he's been listening to this podcast. So if you are, man, nice. this is a shout out to my Sup, buddy. Joe? Um, yeah, you guys should check out his knives cause they are awesome. Um, he is a very hard worker. Okay. And he's efficient. Mm-hmm. Us working together. I know he had to wait for me a lot of time because I would get distracted with an idea. Mm-hmm that's where that middle management component really was like almost necessary. He wanted to be able to work consistently through numbers and I would be like doing something and then like, Oh, there's Luke like skipping off because he had like some weird spark of an idea. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times in our businesses, like figuring out your strengths and just like working towards them may be more efficient than, figuring out your weaknesses and trying to like shore them up. Yeah. Yeah. Double down. Yeah. yeah. Like double take, down, take what you got and like magnify it. Yeah. Right. And it's hard because like we all have that. We all have holes in our game. That's like, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. the nature of being a human. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know the, the, the problem with that is you, you can't necessarily, even if you're not going to like, work on your weaknesses, you can't let them affect the overall business. Yeah. So we find solutions. Yeah. yeah. Right. Workarounds or people that you work with or people that yeah. the ideal Delegate. scenario. That's why you and I would be a very good team at probably in almost anything we do. Because mm-hmm. we actually fulfill very different roles and have a completely different process. Right. Right. No, I so agree. if you have three or four people that provide different assets, you know, I think mm-hmm. you're very well rounded. If I were to build a company at this point, I would be looking to build it with people that had skill sets that supported and contrasted up my, yeah, yeah, they were co- full contrast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And, and all this being said, like, I'm not looking, I'm not like putting out an ad to hire someone right now because my shop score footage is going to, honestly, I don't even know if it'd be smart to even have an employee other than like some part-time help with the size of my shop. But it, again, it's like, what am I prototyping in this shop? Is it, is this what it's going to be? Or is this, well, you've just... already said that you're prototyping the business. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so the idea, so in my I head would make, is, I would make the, yeah. If once I have the ability to spread out a little bit, have a bathroom specific to the shop, have the ability right. to have employees come and go. It's like, this is what this employee would do. This is what this employee would do. Like, that's what I'm thinking while I'm doing right. what I'm doing. Um, not me doing it. Like I'm thinking about how I would prepare this for it to be done by help. 
right? Yeah. Laying it out, making, making order op sheets, making yeah. like, Hey, here's where you find the information about this job. Here's where you yeah. find the tooling list, well, even though you don't need a tooling list for your own, the job that you're doing maybe. Right. And I've been, I've been developing some processes like that, like developing a work order. So it's like, I'll, I'll create a work order and I'll take it to the shop and I'll do it, even though it's me writing it and doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like stuff like that. And then also like an ERP system. I don't know if you've heard of them, um, uh-uh. but it's like, it's like if you have a, a bigger shop, let's say you have a lot of employees and let's say you go through a lot of things, like maybe it's not all product oriented. Like maybe some of it is like trash bags. Some of it is right. like this and that. It's like everything that is a consumable slash a functional part of your product is part of this computer system that it's like you have your right. own internal part numbers for everything. And then you can, that's where you get like, that's lean manufacturing where they create like mechanisms where like if you like you uh you get two rolls of trash bags you put them on the shelf you put a barcode on each of them that's Mm -hmm. associated with those you take one off everything you use in the shop that's out of a package or off the shelf you scan it it tells the system that you're down one and then it creates an automatic po and orders another one and so you always have that so much and it's called an erp Uh, to my knowledge i may have rudimentary knowledge but i've already been thinking about like building one of those for my shop Mm -hmm. Even though it's just well, you can me. do fl- like even I've done stuff like that where you like create flags and you're like, oh, yeah. it, it. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning of the yeah. episode, right? Which is like automate anything you can and yeah. automate mechanism switch like anything that you can think of where you're like, oh, I'm at the back of this. I just got to this card. That means I automatically reorder end mills. Yeah, yeah. You're eliminating decision making. Exactly. Right. And we just had a conversation this morning. So we, Maddie and I have like a weekly kind of product and sales meeting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we're doing is we're starting to set up like, Hey, we just realized like it's been, you know, a year since we ordered patches and it's Mm -hmm. like, okay. So we, you basically work backwards. You're like, how often would we like to sell a patch? What is the production time of a patch? What's the development? And like, if we're creating a new graphic for that patch, when do we need this process of starting yeah. a new patch? Yeah. Even just adding it to, to Google calendar just where you get an automatic yeah. reminder. You don't have to remember it. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I think, Beautiful. Yeah. I think so. Creating systems like that around, man, almost anything and, you can. And for me, the idea again, back to like what excites me is like the thought of building an ERP system sounds so freaking fun. Like it's same <laughs> like that. It, I, that sound. Yes. I have like a definite drive towards a certain type of like organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it, again, if you ask Joe, he would tell you that I moved the shop around a lot because I get excited <laughs> about the idea of like a different workflow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's funny. I'm thinking about Joe cause I talked to him today. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put him on blast because he has made the decision to go full time. Dude, that's awesome. Knife making. Yeah, I, I've met him one time at the last Blade yep. show we were at. Yeah, you've met Joe. Awesome guy. Yeah, really yep. awesome guy. So. That's, I'm happy for him. I'll have to yeah. reach out, talk to him. <laughs> yeah, for sure, that's man. Awesome. He's, a, he's a good dude. I'm just, I'm very, very excited. A lot of conversations. Yeah. So Fantastic. Yeah, I love to hear Congrats, it. Congrats, Joe. That, that full-time, like, <laughs> official move. When yeah. I hear of a friend or a someone I know, like, do yeah. that, it's almost like, a christening of a ship. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, it's a big hooray. deal. Yeah. It's actually kind of like feel, felt very similar to you saying that you're identifying yourself as like a manufacturer. Yeah. It's like you are, it's you are staking label. something. You're like, yeah. 
I believe in myself. Yeah. I believe in what I'm doing mm-hmm. and I'm going to like, yeah. I'm going to bet on my capabilities. Totally. It's awesome. Listen, man, I got to go. There's a cross country meet and my father-in-law is actually the coach. And the cool thing is the, the meet, they run past our front yard. Nice. So we're like, <laughs> get to spectate from our front yard. So oh, sit out front with I, a beer. I, I got, yeah. I got to catch that. So, <laughs> all right, man, have a, uh, have talk. a good one guys. Thanks for listening. Um, as always, if you share the podcast with a friend, leave us a review. Yeah. Anything helps. We yep. appreciate y'all. We love the, uh, the stories, the Instagram posts, yeah. the, the links and stuff, man. It's yeah. so cool to see and hear you guys, uh, just kind of talking about it and yeah, just leave just us hearing a comment. what you guys think. And, uh, yeah, let us know, tag us if you're doing R and D or you're starting to do some production. We want to know. And where are we way off? What are we missing here? Yeah. What are we missing? What's our blind spot? (laughs) I want to hear it. Yeah. What's the third leg? Yep. That's right. All right. All right. Take it easy, guys. everybody.